You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 241st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 785th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of January 27, 2022. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment happened last night around 8 o'clock, uh, or actually 9.30, uh, when the first half buzzer sounded. And Indiana found itself with the 46-17 lead over Penn State, a 29-point lead over a Big Ten team, over a team that beat them earlier in the season, and after a subpar performance at home versus Michigan, a 29-point lead was quite the night. While this lone win didn't win a, a banner itself, it did show that this team has some resolve. This Indiana team was able to put behind uh, a bad loss to Michigan, uh, and the key thing was that the loss to Michigan didn't end up starting a losing streak. The win may not prevent any future losing streaks, but what it does show is that this team values winning and winning at home, uh, that this team can handle adversity, that this team is a team to enjoy for the remainder of the season, regardless of the results. Way to go, Hoosiers. Keep up the good work. Okay, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. Andy is off tonight, but we'll be back Saturday for the Maryland Post Game Show. Jared has some sick kids at home, and Ryan is in the process of moving. Um, and maybe we'll have a guest or two pop on, but for the most part, it's going to be uh, myself and our awesome guest. He is the OG of IU Sports Twitter with over 45,000 followers. He is also a frequent guest on the Mind Your Banners podcast with Zach Osterman, and it's not officially an IU game day until he's blessed it with a uh, tweet. He is Chronic Hoosier. Chronic, how are you feeling about IU basketball this season and the Mike Woodson era now that we are 20 games in? Coach, good to be back. Great to see you. Uh, I'm feeling good. I- I'm-, I'm feeling really good. Um I, I think this is, uh, you know, as, as we're at the midway point, it's one of those where you kind of take a step back. Uh, you know, we say every year when the season starts, I can't emphasize enough. Every season's a journey. Um, they're always going to have their peaks and their valleys, their twists and their turns. Um, you're going to have the unexpected come up. Um, you know, you could pop a tire, you could blow the whole damn thing up. Uh, hopefully you get to see some, some good stuff along the way and create some memories. And, you know, at this point in the season, I feel like we've seen, um, we've seen a pretty big mix of, of, of all of the above. Uh, you know, obviously there's been some high points, uh, most recently the Purdue win. Um, we, we've seen a team that has, has probably given some games away, uh, with some lapses, but I think, uh, all in all, it's, it's proven to be a, a fun, albeit sometimes frustrating, uh, journey, but I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, I love to see the guys come along. I love to see progression as the season goes on. And I, I think there's been a good mix of that. You know, this is a team that, uh, 
has addressed a lot of the shortcomings they carried into the season. I believe they're, you look at their effective field goal percentage, it's up exactly 5% from where it was a year ago. Their effective field goal defense is down just a tick over 5% from where it was a year ago. Uh, those are obviously both really big things, and I don't think people understand um, how significant just five percentage points can be. I mean, that's that's huge in in a relatively short short period of time. So, you know, I think there's still a ton of room for improvement. Um, I, I think we've seen a team that, that can flash some brilliance and, and can have some lapses. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's one worth cheering for. And uh, I think what hits home to me more than anything, uh, they're playing a style of basketball that I can sit and watch with my son and and point to him and say that's what you have to do that's how the game has to be played and uh you know sometimes there's some negative examples too but uh at the end of the day where i am in my personal journey as an iu fan um that's exactly where i want to be i want to be able to watch the hoosiers with my boy have some wins uh but see the game being played the right way well we're glad you're here tonight and and i'm just uh thrilled uh to be on the same screen as Coach Knight, uh, you know, uh, from when I was uh, in college in, uh, in 87. So uh, I'm going to enjoy tonight and, and pull this up over and over again. But we're glad you're here, and uh, we're going to uh, cover a lot uh, here on Assembly Call Radio tonight. We're going to reflect on the roller coaster uh, last three games uh, in segment one. In segment two, we're going to come back and talk about what's working and what needs to improve as we head uh, down the back half of the Big Ten schedule. And then segment three, our community is really stepping up with some outstanding questions. We have a lot of questions to answer. All of that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the bison and home field has something for fans and grads of other schools considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them and no matter what you buy you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings plus you're supporting an indiana-based company that came up through kelly what could be better than that did you just order another shirt from home field apparel No, Mrs. Tonsoni, I didn't order any tonight, but I'm likely to order some soon. And all of our followers and listeners can also order some shirts from Homefield Apparel by going to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, um... Last three games were a little bit of a roller coaster, uh, Chronic. We we saw the emotional, much-needed ending of a, a long losing streak to that team from up north, and then we followed that up with a huge letdown against Michigan and then an incredible first half and, and just uh, finishing the game in the second half. But a really good, outstanding performance overall against uh, Penn State. So that has to be a somewhat successful three-game stretch, maybe not perfect. Uh, what do you think the Hoosiers learned, or what do we as fans learn uh, from this uh, roller coaster three-game stretch? You know, I think what stands out to me right now is you know we have seen flashes from this team uh, of quite frankly brilliance, uh, some really pretty basketball uh, when they can play focused, aggressive, connected basketball. Uh, they can be fun. They can be really, really fun, and it, you know they. The defense, their ability to make it really, really difficult to score 
uh, I think is where it starts. Uh, and we've seen that spill over to the offense. Now, likewise, we, we've seen instances where they get disconnected and uh, it, it gets a little less than fun, quite a bit, actually. Um, I, I think on par, um, I, as we head out of January with one game left in it, um, I, I think they're in a good spot all in all. Uh, I'm still kind of waiting with bated breath to see what the news on Rob Finnessy's injury is and what, what type of impact that's going to have on his availability going throughout the uh, the remainder of the season. Um, but I feel like you've seen a team that's been able to shore up some things, um, you know, particularly in the backcourt. I think the emergence of Xavier Johnson as a, uh, a much more focused um, leader of the offense, quite frankly, has been a huge, huge surprise. Uh, or maybe not a surprise, but a very welcome sight is probably a better way of putting it. Um, you know, I feel like it's it's easy to take Race Thompson's consistent contributions for granted because Race continues to go out there with his hard hat on and just grind away at all the uh, the gluey things that he does for this team. And hit a and couple then, shots uh, yesterday. Yes, he did. I'll tell you what, man, uh, the way everybody on the floor responded, you very much get the sense that they took the comments personally. Uh, And, you know, part of that entails they heard our comments um, and and they took it to heart. Uh, I I don't think they were listening to us nearly as much as they were probably listening to the coaching staff uh, because I felt like there were a lot of messages that were, were received loud and clear. But most importantly, they seem to be received all the way across the bench. Uh, I'd commented, uh, I believe it was in the first half. Everybody who saw the floor was playing on the exact same page at a markedly uh, higher level than where we last saw them uh, in focus and effort against Michigan. So um, I I felt like that was a good thing for Indiana. Now, at the end of the day, uh, you kind of saw shades of Wisconsin in the end of the the second half where they they got a little sloppy and they got away from that connected basketball. Um, They weren't nearly as effective in in defending, and uh, I thought like the shot selection was pretty poor. The ball movement wasn't that great. but, you know, I, I acknowledge that before they even went to half. That's going to happen when you got a 30-point lead. I mean, it's going to be really tough to throttle somebody for 40 minutes at the at the rate that we were seeing. Um, but if you would have told me, you know, after the Nebraska game, what what do you think I use best chance scenarios, Purdue, Michigan, Penn State? I, I'd have been happy at two and three if you told me that, uh, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, don't you don't you think too at the beginning of the season Michigan was a top five team top ten team Purdue was thought to be a, a top five team as well you're looking at that stretch of home games as man you'd like to get both of them but you at least would want to split them and then Michigan falls apart in a non conference but they still have those guys that were ranked so high and they played like it Sunday so yeah I, I think the split was nice um, it not not nice necessarily the way it came down against Michigan though. Now, and I, I think, you know, Michigan is one of those really funky teams, and we've seen a lot of that coming out of uh, the funky year of COVID last year uh, to having fans back in stands. There are a lot of guys having to reacclimate, uh, kind of reset their bearings uh, for whatever reason. And Michigan's had some injuries. They've had some shutdown issues. Uh, but they very much, uh, you know, on Sunday looked like the team that most people thought they were going to be in the preseason. And quite frankly, you know, we knew this long before the season started. They were going to pose a lot of matchup challenges for Indiana. Uh, unfortunately, they were able to to exploit those, and they just executed their game plan so much better than what Indiana did that day. Um, I, you know, I, I think 
we kind of lose the, the bigger picture uh, when you see style points, such as what they put up against us, uh, that really maybe discolors it in the, in, the, in the recent reflection that maybe, you know, at the end of the season doesn't seem as bad. Uh, you just recognize it wasn't their night. Uh, you kind of lose the contours of just how bad Indiana competed against them. You know, in, in the past few years, losing has become a habit. Um, and, and winning, uh, when you have a winning streak or you're playing better basketball, it, it can be tough to stay on top. So that's kind of new for, for this program and some of these guys who have been around. You, you know, they've lost some games they maybe shouldn't have, but still they were sitting with a nice record um, and, and had beaten Ohio State. And then when you beat uh, Purdue and the emotion of the, of the court storm – and all of that, that's been a long time coming for these guys. And I'm not an excuse guy, Chronic, uh, but there are reasons. Uh, and, and I think that the emotional – they just didn't look like they were emotionally locked in because Purdue and Ohio State are great offenses. And they just mm-hmm. defensively – you mentioned it early – defensively took those great efficient offenses out of everything they wanted to do and kept them in the 60s and won two ball games that are solid – didn't see that kind of effort. And then, yes, credit Michigan for running good offensive stuff, but it wasn't against the defense that Indiana had. That's the only uh, negative that I can find in this three-game uh, stretch is, is losing to Michigan's not not a shame. It's, it's kind of just a lack of intensity and defensive attention um, there. But uh, it's also kudos to Indiana for playing that defense that now we're expecting. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, I, I'm with you. I'm not – trying to make excuses as much as you are trying to understand what happened. And whenever you have a night like they had the Thursday prior, you know, when, when you're storming the court, you've got a guy being carried off the floor, hoisted on shoulders. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of a moment. But, but what we forget is that's kind of an exhausting moment at the same time as well. And, you know, there, it just you expend a lot of energy, physical and emotional energy. And uh, you've got to be able to replenish those. And it was a fairly quick turnaround. Uh, I think it was Saturday. I saw you know some of the players at, still adding to their Instagram stories, uh, you know, putting stuff out on social media. And I took a step back and said, I know I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not so sure I really want to see the boys doing it on Saturday before a game, though. Yeah. And I understand getting caught up in the moment, and I, I can't imagine what that moment felt like for those guys, especially guys like Rob, you know, yeah. guys that have been through um, all the struggles uh, of the transition between the staffs and just, you know, the struggles that led to that transition. Um, that had to be kind of cathartic for him. And, you, you know, even for the most mature person, that's going to be tough to uh, to kind of reset but when you saw him still kind of reveling in it and looking backwards on the eve of a game, I said, oh, man, this has got trap written all over it. And, you know, lo and behold, from the minute the, the, the ball tipped, they were pretty much flat the entire afternoon. So. And you saw some of the same kind of stuff with the two halves against Penn State. A lot of energy was uh, used up to get that, uh, you know, 29-point lead to prove people that were calling for a, a different starting lineup that, that they, were, they weren't right. There was a lot of energy, and, and it's kind of hard to back that up. Good teams find a way to do that. That's probably in the next segment we can talk about that. That's probably the next thing that Indiana needs to do is, is find that consistency game-to-game, half-to-half. But coming up on Assembly uh, Call Radio, uh, the Hoosiers um, are 6-4 and four in conference play. And we got 10 more games, the back half of the Big Ten schedule beckoning. What's working and what needs to be fixed for Indiana to navigate a tricky but manageable February schedule? It's next here on the Assembly Call.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hi, this is AJ Moye. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. Tonight's episode is also sponsored by Superior Insulators, owned by longtime listener and IU season ticket holder Brad, who I had the privilege of meeting in person Sunday at the Michigan game. Uh, quite a, a great dude. Um, and he'll be at our February 5th event at Switchyard. Uh, and with winter here, the timing is perfect to tell you about their high-performance insulation and air barrier systems for both residential and commercial. As you know, their work is high quality because they did the air barrier systems and spray foam for the IU Excellence Academy. They also worked on the IU Football Locker Room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings on campus. Visit Insulators. Dot com to learn more and schedule your appointment. That's insulators.com. I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And thank you, Brad, for your continued uh, support of our show. And it was great meeting you uh, on Sunday. So the schedule, uh, we had halfway, 6-4 and four record. Uh, a lot of people predicted 10, 11, 12 wins. That is well within reach for your Indiana Hoosiers. Four home games, uh, six away games. The home games are uh, at, uh, against Illinois, Wisconsin, Maryland, and Rutgers. Uh, the away games will be uh, this Saturday, Maryland, Northwestern, Michigan State, Ohio State, Minnesota, and the last game of the season, Purdue. Chronic, as you look at that schedule, um, what stands out to you? Uh, there's a lot of opportunities ahead uh, to really to make some progress in the uh, in the seed lines. Uh, and there's there's some pretty big uh, pitfalls along the way as well if they're not careful where they step. Um, you know they they have reached the point in in the schedule where I, I think Indiana should feel pretty good if the season were in today about where they're going to get in. And uh, I, I know you're among some of the best bracketologists in the nation uh, at school, so I'm going to leave you know all that prognosticating to you. Um, but recognizing that the there's still a lot of danger ahead if they don't take care of business. Um, I, I think it starts at home, uh, which they have been for the most part really good about until Michigan, uh, which I think is imperative. I mean, that's been, you know, people talk about what it takes to, to, to win in the big 10. There's a whole lot of things that go into it. Um, you know, for, for years, we've talked about how critical free throws are, you know, kind of like that is one of those foundational elements to successful teams. You got to win at home. 
you have to win at home. You have to capitalize on that energy. And, uh, you know, obviously we saw what, you know, the, the magic still contained in Assembly Hall against Purdue. Uh, unfortunately, it came out a little flat. But I think uh, the, the way the schedule, the schedule sets up, there are some some opportunities to climb in seed line uh, at home with Illinois coming in, um, with Wisconsin. And then, uh, you know, we'll see exactly what type of a Maryland visits us uh when that falls on the schedule uh but you know there's there's some games as well that if you drop them kind of like the the loss at Penn State to start the Big 10 season can set you back pretty significantly as well uh if you don't bring your best stuff on the road so i think they're in a good spot right now that can obviously change that's been one of the problems uh that has surfaced in years past is they you know they have slumped uh, at this part of the schedule with uh, an alarming bit of, of regularity. And that's exactly what they have to avoid. But I think more than anything, it's going to start by protecting home court, um, you know, win the games that you're going to be favored in and try to steal some upsets along the way. Because I wouldn't be surprised if this team's got another upset uh, as well as has another clunker, uh, if not more on both of those fronts. So you've got to try to get the good to outweigh the bad and uh, hopefully by a pretty substantial margin. But, you know, one thing I will say when this team is locked in and playing the type of ball we saw in the first half against Penn State, like we saw for pretty much the entirety of the Purdue game, absent the first four or five minutes, um, this team has shown that they look like a uh, a four or five seed. I mean, they look like a second weekend team when when they're able to lock in. Now they look like an NIT team at times too when they disengage. Uh, but the, the, you you know where the floor is for this team. We've seen that all too often. We're too familiar with that. What I've seen is a ceiling that continues to rise and rise and rise, uh, albeit if just briefly. Uh, I, I think that gives you a lot of hope as you uh, as as you look at the back half of the schedule here. Yeah, and, and some key games from a bracketology standpoint. Uh, one, you want to win all your home games. If you do that, you get two quad one wins, and, and that'll put you at four. And that's a, that's a good number to get in the tournament. I know we want to move up in a seed line, but right now I want to see Indiana called on Selection Sunday. It's just been yeah. too damn long uh, to see that on Selection Sunday. And then I got the big wall bracket sitting back here, and there's no Indiana on it. That, uh, that's, uh, that's disturbing. So you have two uh, quad one wins there, but you really want to win Maryland and Rutgers at home because those, those would be quad three losses. And Indiana doesn't have a loss outside of quad one and two. And, boy, there are some teams – that uh, in the set, you know eight through twelve range where Indiana sits right now, that do Florida State's in our bracket with three quad three losses. Indiana doesn't have any, and that's yeah. that's going to speak volumes. You don't want to lose those games. All of the road games are going to be quad one or two wins. So you sneak two, you go two and four there. Now you got again, depending on who it is, either some quad two wins or quad. Get to if you can get to twelve. I think Indiana's going to have a pretty decent shot at moving up past that eight seed line. Uh, if you get 10 or 11, you're looking at an eight or nine seed. You just want to avoid, you know, a big losing streak here, um, coming into, uh, the big 10 tournament. And then hopefully our, our big 10 tournament, uh, woes are, are past us with the hiring uh, of coach Woodson. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, chronic what's working, uh, for Indiana. You brought it up early on the show. I'm just impressed with Xavier Johnson for several reasons, and I know he had a couple tough uh, games. Um, But, you know, the young man has showed uh, to be able to handle those adverse moments and move forward, and I think his play – he was a guy at Michigan I was impressed with when Indiana really did not play well. Uh, What what aspects of 
game um, do you do you appreciate the most and in, in his growth this season? I think X did himself uh, a disservice early in the season uh, with just a lot of cheap ticky tack fouls, usually early, early in the first half uh, that just put him in a really bad spot right from the jump. And I, I think this is a, a kid who really, really wants to, to play well. He wants to, to compete and he wants to be on the floor a, a whole lot more. That's what he came here was, was to get run. And uh, I, I think that was, that was pretty noticeably frustrating to him uh, and kudos to him for cleaning a lot of that up uh, without, you know, turning into a matador at the same time, um, you know, on, equally on the other side of the basketball, uh, Obviously, it helps when you can knock down your jumpers. I mean, that's the most obvious thing in the game of basketball. Um, his ability, how he's getting those buckets, though, how his ability to drive the paint, uh, his ability to to break defenses down um, are huge, huge elements that have been missing from the offense uh, with, with any semblance of regularity. Uh, you know, you, we focus so much on, on the shooting difficulties of this team without, you know, recognizing your ability to break defenses down is directly correlated to the quality of the looks that you're going to see uh, when you get teams into rotation, when you uh, you get them having to come off guys to help. It, it totally opens things up for everybody else on the floor. And, you know, that's it's it's been a huge, huge uh, void in IU's offensive arsenal. So to see him be able to do that, but also do that within control, because we saw uh, control with the ball in those situations was an issue for him uh, early on. And I, I feel like he's just done a, a really remarkable job of cleaning both of those sides of the floor up. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, without getting too grandiose, uh, you know, taking a pretty uh, significant role in this team's leadership, uh, as every point guard should, quite yeah. frankly. You know, his his shot selection is better. Um, he, he's able to plant his feet when he, he comes off ball screens now and, and hit the three, shooting 37%, I believe, from three, which is, is really incredible for your point guard, especially with his history. But but I agree with you. He he is he's just very valuable to this basketball team from a pace standpoint, from a breaking people down. He he's he's taken charges, uh, and and I'm at a point now where I'm okay with a couple turnovers because he's trying to make things happen. Because I believe he's trying to make the right things happen instead of trying to hit home runs. Um, and, and when your ball's in in your hands that much, you're going to turn it over. But he had six assists the other night. He had four rebounds. He took a charge. Um, and, and he's an energy player. So Zero I'm gonna, turnovers against Purdue. Yeah, just just his growth this year has been fantastic. If that continues for 10 more games in the tournament, I think we're going to really see uh, some good play. So uh, a couple of things on our list here, Trace and Race. Um, but the, how about the defense that those two play and how they have helped Indiana become – an excellent defensive team. I think 19th overall uh, defensive efficiency, been as high as 11th at some point. Uh, the defense has been remarkable. Uh, it takes us back to some of the good old days with Coach Knight where teams were just locked down. And short of the Michigan performance and maybe some ball screen and, uh, against Syracuse, this defense has been the strong point of Indiana. No, I, that's that's been the foundation. Uh, that this team's been built on, and it's been an obvious foundation, quite frankly. Um, you know, much to the uh, the demise of the offense, or at least of its early progression. Um, but I, I think this is a team that I, I mentioned connectedness earlier. Um, so much of this 
is is it's literally just simple things. Uh, you know, we talk about focus, we talk about aggression um, and toughness. A lot of times, though, defenses are just a matter of communication. Guys knowing what's going on behind them. They're, they're so focused on their assignment or the ball that it's real easy to lose track of the rest of the floor. And I, I thought the, uh, the, the, the stark differences between how they defended Purdue, uh, you know, how they defended Penn State versus how they defended Michigan, um, it, it was just night and day difference. You know, I don't think they didn't play hard, hard against Michigan. I think they tried. I just I, I feel like they had empty tanks. And uh, they were kind of in the fog still, uh, quite frankly. But the communication was markedly different uh, during Michigan than it was in, you know, most games we've seen since the conference season started. And, uh, you know, it's it's those flashes of brilliance when they are able to lock in and the synergy that they're able to create, uh, the offense. Um, it, it's just been something to behold. And, you know, I know it's not the sexiest part of the game, um, but honestly, it's the hardest part of the game. Uh, if playing good defense were easy, everybody would do it. There's a reason you see so much bad defense uh, in college basketball because it's freaking hard, people. It's really, really hard to defend, you know, power five division one basketball teams. Um, you're at a disadvantage the entire time. Uh, it's hard, hard work. And this is a team that is bought into doing that work. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, more often than not, does a really good job at it. So that's that has been a hugely, hugely welcome sight uh, in the Archie Miller. Or I'm sorry, the Archie Miller. Excuse me. Yeah. That's a faux pas. Uh, in the Mike Woodson era, if you You make this coach uh, happy. We, we talk about defense all the time. You know, defense is a, you got to want to. Uh, and then you got to want to and then knock it up a, a notch or two. And I, I think one of the things is, you know, I think Trace does a good job protecting the rim. Uh, early in the year, he was hunting blocks and giving up a little dump-offs and offensive rebounds, but he's doing a much better job now of being the second – I call it the second guy off the floor. Uh, and race is just race. I mean, race does a lot of things defensively. Those guys are obviously scoring. Race hit a couple shots, but the defense is what's going to carry Indiana going forward uh, in winning some of these games that we just talked about on the schedule, getting uh, a good uh, effort in the Big Ten Conference and, and then going to the NCAA. The defense is there. So let's now – uh, Chronic turned to the topic of uh, the week. Jess Settles uh, gave us a call out uh, in here talking about uh, the starting lineup and the, and the bench. So there's a couple of, of questions uh, inherent in here, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about starting lineups in general. Your, your philosophy, should they change throughout the season, or it, are you a guy that believes that maybe they should, uh, you know, once you have your starters, you, you can rearrange some people behind them? I am a uh, I'm a firm, firm believer in the lessons taught by Hardwood, specifically the pine that those guys have. With. It's not even pine anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here waxing poetic. You yeah. know, sometimes butts in a seat sends a really, really good message about what 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 needs to be done, and uh, I I think some of the the deficiencies we've seen in the starting lineup. Um, I, more than anything, I just want to see him addressed. I wanted to see a team that's able to come out and not dig itself a hole immediately after the ball is tipped. Uh, when you know, you know, there's going to be matchups tough enough uh, without spotting the other team eight, six, ten points or whatever they felt like that that night. Uh, I, I felt like Woodson got a great response from his starters. Um, you know, most recently against, I guess that was still last night. It seems like a week ago already. Um, I, I thought like the response was phenomenal. Uh, quite frankly, I felt like those guys 
played with a ton of pride uh, because the comments, you know, and, and maybe it's not just the comments. I don't want to, you know, give us too much weight. Um, <laughs> we have none. The, the film. <laughs> we coaches don't listen to anybody. But the, the but film the had to be pretty darn stinging uh, yeah. after Michigan. And, you know, they, they took it personally and it showed. Um, that being said, though, we haven't seen that consistently from this group. And until you get a consistent, uh, you know, output from the starters on both ends of the floor. And I think, again, it's, it's always going to, uh, you know, start with the defense. Um, if you're not going to get that consistently, then perhaps, you know, it's time to mix it up a little bit. Uh, I, I, I tweeted it out, uh, after the Michigan game, it's time, it, it's time to change the starting lineup, mm-hmm. uh, because you need to change the same results you're consistently getting. Woodson was able to change the results without changing the lineup, now let's see if they can accomplish that on a consistent basis. Because at the end of the day, uh, if you were asking me to, what's what's the number one challenge for Indiana, you know, as it finishes the season, I'm going to tell you it's it's playing at the level that you expect consistently, and that's something they've consistently struggled with so far this year. Yeah, we we as fans get caught up a lot in in this game than that game and comparing one game and looking overall. Coach Adranya had that those stats about the first eight minutes of each half. Uh, yeah. The plus minus was just shocking. Uh, and I know coaches look at those analytics too and, and have to know that. Uh, and, and Coach Woodson is a trust your guys. He, he's really big on trying to get the, everyone confidence and feel good about who they are, and that's commendable. But there's also a time, you know um, – you know, when your ass needs to be on the bench, uh, if you're not performing, that that uh, Bob Knight uh, tweet was out or uh, whatever that uh, film uh, of him at a, a coaching clinic uh, a couple of weeks ago. I, I retweeted that, uh, and and I was with you too a little bit on may, it might be time, but I also will credit Coach Woodson in, in sticking with his guys a little bit too and and having their backs. But it, it can't be just one effort. Uh, out of seven, and then the next seven games again, uh, bad starts in, in the first half. So the bench seems to be gaining some confidence. They're 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 getting a little more minutes. Uh, who on the bench uh, grabs your attention? You really think is a difference maker, and who can become one that might not be uh, at this point? I I don't think that we have acknowledged nearly uh, enough just how quickly Trey Galloway was able to come back from pretty significant uh, layout and, and just become instant energy for this team. Like he ne- it's not, not only did he not miss a beat, it was almost as though he continued that normal progression you see in players over the course of the season, even though he missed, what, like a month? Uh, for him to come out in January once he got back on the floor and just instantly uh, up IU's energy level, um, you know, create things offensively defensively just change the juju change the energy of the team uh i I think has been nothing short of remarkable because that's always the question you know when a guy comes back what you know what percent what percent are you from where you were before the inner the uh the injury trey galloway's playing at 115 125 percent of where he was before the injury quite frankly um you know he's he's found a way to instantly get back and and be an impact guy off the bench. Um, I think Tamar Bates. Uh, you know we we saw some flashes early on in the season against some of the cupcakes, and then we kind of saw a re, you know what what some may be viewed as a regression, or you know maybe you just level it uh, and adjust it for the quality of the play. Um, you know this is a young young kid. He's a true freshman uh, who's been able to step in here, especially as of late, and. Uh, and do some good things for Indiana. Uh, he still looks like a freshman, um, but that's 
you see the maturation there. So that's, that's certainly been good. And that, that could be something that, that ultimately is determinative of where this season goes uh, if Rob's going to miss a significant amount of time. Uh, be, because Rob's uh, contributions coming off the bench have been just as, you know, as, as remarkable as everybody else. You talk about, um, you know, Wood, Woodson having confidence in his guys, uh, the trust that those two have been able to build. You know, they, they have uh, openly discussed their conversation before Purdue. Um, whatever he's doing, it's been wildly impactful on a kid that everybody, you know, has it's it's been no secret. Uh, has struggled with his confidence and you've got a guy out there just playing with all the confidence you would expect of a four-year senior at Indiana. I'd like to see Tamar get a little bit more run. I thought 15 minutes last night was good. I think he could be a scoring threat off the bench uh, with his ability to shoot. And I agree with you with Rob. Rob's defense is what's going to be missed if he's out for any length of time because he could just come in if someone was giving Indiana fits and come in and lock them down. I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, because everyone looks at sometimes his offensive struggles and and they they get down on Rob, but he has always been a lockdown defender. So I think Indiana's going to miss Rob more on the defensive end uh, mm-hmm. of subbing in for him. So while we're on that topic, uh, if he's out, uh, obviously we have a, a point guard in Lander who has been injured and, and was uh, not ready to, to get back in action uh, last night. Uh, there's a point guard option, but if he's not ready and Rob's not ready – how do you see that playing out? Uh, who gives X some uh, minutes off? My guess is tomorrow. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised as well to see them, you know, get kind of get kind of funky with it. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen Trey bring the ball up the floor. Um, you know, we've seen race probably too much. I would I'd prefer not to see race <laughs> stuck in the middle of the floor on an uh, inbound situation. But, uh, no, I mean, it's <sighs> – you know, Anthony Leal has kind of been put back on ice here uh, since since Trey has returned, and I don't think that's just because of Trey. I think that's Woody just shortening up the rotation a little bit. Uh, but he's certainly an option as well that just gives you uh, some more ball handling. Um, but it's it could be one of those where it's just going to be next man up. Um, you've got a lot of guys that that are capable. Uh, you know, they may not be your your uh, your best ball handler per se, but you still got enough guards on the roster. Uh, where I think you're going to have some options now. Foul trouble, uh, further injury issues down the road. Who knows? You know, you never want to see it. Um, but right now, you've got two scholarships that are currently unavailable uh, or dealing with injuries, and they both happen to play the same position for you. So that is uh, that is concerning. Um, you know, we we totally forgot to mention Michael Durr and talking about right. the bench, and and you know, Michael has probably shown as much improvement as anybody coming off the bench this year. You know, quite frankly, and what he did I, at Purdue I, was fantastic. Oh man, I had I, I had some questions, uh, and, and obviously with Woody's rotations, uh, especially when he's doing the platoon thing, it can be really difficult to assess, you know, what the second unit brings because they don't have the advantage of playing, you know, with an All American uh, or you know the other starters. But um, I, I had some concerns with, with Durr. I, I I really did when you know in some of the early games. Um, I feel like he's done a phenomenal job of kind of settling in, understanding his role and executing his role. Uh, and along those lines, Jordan Geronimo yeah, is fantastic. A, another one of those kids that, you know, continues to do things that just drop your jaw. Now you still see a, a, a maturation process taking place with him. Uh, the consistency, recognizing how he's going to adjust his play, depending on how the games are being called. And then, you know, kind of the elephant in the room, uh, 
he, he and Woody looked like they were having um, <laughs> some disagreement the other night. And uh, He helped you know, off the corner, Chronic. He's not supposed to, A, help off the corner probably is their defensive philosophy, I'd imagine, because a lot of schools do that. And then not only that, he, he left the best shooter. So yeah, um, yeah. And that's then what the, drew Woody's ire. It also appeared he had no problem defending those those choices to the coach, which is never a good situation uh, when you just got yanked for those very reasons. So, nevertheless, though, uh, I, I think all of the guys uh, have proven that they can they can contribute uh, and they can they can bring a whole lot to the team. Uh, you know, the the biggest thing, whenever especially when you sub like Woody does, is what type of a drop off. Right. And you know, it's been honestly quite the opposite. Usually, it's it's been a step up. Uh, from an, an energy standpoint, uh, from an execution standpoint, uh, it's usually been the second unit that's able to to dig them out of those holes. So, so I, I think you might see a little different style of offense. Not You're not going to completely rewrite your offensive playbook, but uh, with X and Rob, you did a lot of ball screening, a lot of you know dribble drive action. If your point guards aren't able to do that, you might see a, a few more sets, which leads me to the last question in this segment is, do you think Parker and, and Miller Cop, uh, Parker Stewart, Miller Cop need more shots? Parker Stewart's hitting about 46%. Um, they were brought in as shooters, and it seems like every time I look at a box score, they're getting two shots, three shots, maybe seven shots combined even. Um, do you think they need more shots? Would they get more shots if they were separated and played uh, the same spot but filled in for each other? You know, it's it's an interesting question. Um when, when you have guys that have proven can be that capable in an area that you have struggled that much in, uh, outside shooting, um, it, it's a little befuddling that they don't shoot the ball more. Um, part of it, though, uh, I, I think the ball has to find you as well. Um, it's not always what the coaches are drawing up. It's what the players are doing. And the players are going where they feel like the ball's best found. And, you know, I, I don't know how better to describe it, but the ball moves in mysterious ways and it, it, it finds where it needs to go or where they think it needs to go, at least. <laughs> um, I, I would like to see a more concerted effort to have the ball find those guys more. Now, I, I think as this offense is, is, is seeing more and more from Xavier, um, I think it needs to push out uh, a little bit more of its its edges and boundaries. Um and, and how it wants to the ball wants to move because honestly um, if you can get anybody to peel off of those guys and and you can break a defense down you absolutely need to get the ball in their hands um, I, I think part of that too is is recognizing when the ball needs to keep moving and yes. you know as we saw in the second half against Penn State uh, far too often the ball got shot way 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 too early uh, than what it needed to. And, you know, those are turnovers for this team. Uh, shots that are, are just untimely, uh, shots that are contested, ill-advised. Um, they, they, this team can't have that. They have to be better at finding the right shot. And, you know, there's plenty of tape that shows them when they move the ball and they're patient in the offense. Or, you know, sometimes just when you take the shot that's there rather than continuing to pass it up for, you know, hopefully a better shot. If the shot's there, you got to take it. And, you know, this team has, has shown um, when they get in that rhythm, the offense ain't that bad, man. Yeah. Uh, it, it actually can look pretty good, uh, especially when the shots are falling from outside. Ball movement uh, and player movement is a big for me. Uh, yeah. and, and when Indiana does it, whether it's just a slight cut, uh, they ran some staggered doubles, they ran some pin screens. I thought Penn State the first half was the most – 
movement uh, of the ball and of people that I've seen this Indiana offense this year. And I call it one more passing. I mentioned it on the show last night where the ball comes from one side and it just pings around the top as pe- as the defense takes the next guy, takes the next guy. Mm-hmm. And there was some very unselfish play, but you got to move people. Sometimes I think that ball sticks, as you mentioned, and, and people stick um, a- as well. But th- this that- is where – go ahead. That was where they, they changed the energy against Purdue, quite frankly. Right. I mean, the, the, the opening five minutes, watching that offense, it, it terrified me. Uh, <laughs> just just how bad the player movement was, how, how bad the ball movement was. Uh, you know, I, I tweeted, and if you're going to beat a team like Purdue, you have to do everything hard. Yeah. You have to cut hard. You have to screen hard. You have to pass hard and with a purpose. You cannot be soft against a team that is that sound because uh, – they're going to break you. They're going to absolutely beat you down. And when the second unit came out, that's exactly what they did. Uh, they moved with purpose. Uh, they took space away aggressively on the defensive end, and it totally changed the game for them. And it got handed to us just the opposite against Michigan. Michigan moved the ball, mm-hmm. moved people, uh, and and, we, and Indiana got lost defensively, and it was just a nightmare. So that player movement, ball movement, is something I think Indiana needs to improve in order to to maybe get to that 12-13 win mark in the Big Ten and make the tournament. So uh, coming up in our third segment, we'll answer your questions as we always do. So stick around with us here on the Assembly Call. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Come on, Devontae. I think Chronic and I just had a good segment on on taking shots. But anyway, uh, we hope you're well uh, and doing well watching the Hoosiers. So it's now... Uh, I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with Chronic Hoosier. Uh, we're talking about uh, Indiana midway through the Big Ten season. We just got done talking about uh, what we think's been working, uh, what the struggles were, where the schedule takes us, and, and now we're going to answer your questions. Uh, all questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at join and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. And uh, let's start with this. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. 
it's always a good night when Jay provides a mediocre question, and here it is. Uh, let's check in on Coach Woodson's midseason progress report. Give Woody a letter grade in the following areas. So there's five areas. Chronic, I'll read them off. Give a letter grade if you want to explain it fine. Um, offensive performance. Uh, mediocre questions deserve mediocre answers. It's a B. <laughs> It's a B. Uh, I'm a little bit lower than that. I'm going to say a C uh, as a teacher. It's what's expected, uh, and it's a little less than what's expected. I thought uh, the offense would be better uh, at this point. Uh, defensive performance. Um, I'm going to give it a B plus. I, I think this is – and the reason I, I, I grade both offense and defense as a whole is a B. Like I said earlier, you've moved the needle five percentage points in each direction um, in just a couple of months. Um, would I like to see it move more? Absolutely. Um, can I be mad about a 10 percentage point swing between scoring efficiency and defensive scoring efficiency? Absolutely not. Um, uh, you know, I, I think you hear Woody talk in, in press conferences, and he talks, he continues to this day to talk about getting to know the guys and the guys getting to know him. And I think it's it's easy to dismiss as, you know, just coaches parlance, it's just him talking. You know, it's his team. He's with them all the time. How did he know him? It, it takes time to build trust. It really does. Um, and especially when you have a gap such as, you know, Mike Woodson and, and you know, these 20-something kids, teenage kids even. Um, it takes time to build that trust. And I think you've seen that develop over the course of the season. Um, I, I think there's a lot more of it that will continue to develop. Um, but I, I think he's made he's made some pretty big strides in a pretty short period of time. Uh, and more than anything, it's not that they've stumbled; it's they've done a really good job. Uh, you know, overall, I think of of recovering from those stumbles. And at the end of the day, we can't expect them to be perfect; just expect them to get better. I, I give the defensive performance a little higher grade, a a minus. I think they've been uh, real short of being excellent. I know a few games it's it's let up, in a few moments it's let up. Uh, but th this team's not sitting uh, where they're at without uh, the emphasis on on defense. Uh, his grade on game planning. That's kind of an all-encompassing one, and I assume um, that that includes how he wants to uh, to substitute, maybe. Um, and I know there's a whole lot of staff involvement in game planning as well. Um, I'm going to give it a C plus. Uh, I'm going with you there on, on C+. Plus. I, I think there's some nuances that, that, that can be better in strategy. Um, I, I think um, some of that's in-game adjustments, which is the next one, but game planning. We'll go, we'll go there, C+. In-game adjustments. In-game adjustments. Um, again, I think I'm going to give it a C+. Plus. Uh, I, I feel like they've come out um, generally overall with a pretty good game plan. Um, you know, we've seen some significant changes at halftime for the better and for the worse. Uh, I, I think the adjustments sometimes get overshadowed or over, not they get overshadowed. They overshadow the, the, the Johnny's and the Joe's, right. um, you know, it's what he plans versus what they do, what they execute. I recognize are two totally different things. Often, uh, you can tell it by the expressions, by the interactions, and by the way, I love Mike Woodson's expressions. Uh, he is literally one of the most animated humans on earth, uh, and it's awesome. Uh, I, I love catching those. Um, but overall, I th I, I do think um, 
he's he's got to feel his way into this role and his not just this his role but he's got to feel his way into college basketball uh you know decisions to call a timeout i think he's getting a little more liberal with them than perhaps he was to begin the season um sometimes they're head scratching times as well um, i'm not gonna you know second guess what he's doing i'm glad to see he's using them now um but also recognizing there there, there comes a point with college kids where you've just got to push pause and you've got to hit a reset button uh where nba players are a whole lot better at kind of self-gathering uh i i think he's learning you got to kind of keep a tighter rein on these guys uh if you want to control it from getting away from you I, I agree with you again on this. I think his out-of-timeout actions are really, really good for the most part. And, again, when they're not, sometimes that's execution by the players. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of coaches have even commented. Uh, Shrewsbury in the first game was really concerned, uh, knowing him his time when in the pros, where he could really take advantage of a timeout and put people in the right posi- uh, position. I do that. I think the sub-patterns are, are a little bit um, – uh, in need of improvement, and, and there's just been some things that I think he's let the players go, and I think in college you might have to sit on them a little bit. Uh, the, the pressing, the trap at Syracuse late, uh, that, that cost Indiana some points in, in, in a tight game. Um, you know, uh, allowing the Wisconsin run and that and not calling a set, just letting uh, the free play go, and that's just a coach trying to find his way because the NBA game is, is so different. And then the last one, uh, recruiting and future roster building. How, how is Coach Woodson doing that one's tough to assess because it's it's obviously so early right now um and i mean you know uh, uh, i guess as far as next year's class a third of that was already signed up um you know in in tj so uh i i think overall he's done pretty well um haven't been a lot of major misses uh we we are Probably in the market and uh, the transfer portal for some some size, right? Uh, uh, immediate need for some size next year. Uh, obviously, you know there's there's decisions that'll have to be made at the end of the year. Um, not just Trace Jackson Davis, but Race Thompson as well. Uh, Race has proven he can uh, he can have a career playing professional basketball and and make a pretty good living uh, if he wants to, I believe. Uh, he's, he's established himself as a consistent, reliable contributor. Honestly, he's, you know, I pretty much pencil him in every game. That's your second or third highest score. He, he may not lead yeah. rebounds. He's going to be second there. Um, you know, he, he may not lead you in blocks. He's probably going to be second there. Uh, same with steals. So um, who knows uh, what those guys are going to decide. But there's there's certainly a, a need that's going to have to be addressed when it comes to, uh, to the big. So I'd probably give it. A C, quite honestly, because yeah. right now you, you you're standing to lose an All American, and you don't have an heir apparent, and uh, for an offense that's been so so dependent on having that big guy inside, it is a little concerning not to have a have an heir apparent lined up right now. I, I, I'm looking at a B. Um, I'm a big guy. I played big guy when long long time ago uh, when I actually moved. Um, but I think it's a guards game, and I, I'm really impressed with Hood Shafino coming in. I, I'm really – Ja'Kai Newton in a couple years, Cups coming in. I think his offense is really guard dependent, and, and mm-hmm. X is doing that right now for him. And and Cop and, and Parker can shoot, but he needs uh, – I think for him to run his stuff, he needs more ath- athleticism at the guard and the wing spots, and I think he's trying to recruit that. Uh, I, I think um, – I do think the transfer portal for Biggs is where where he's probably going to go uh, in there. 
I just like the vibe I get from people who come and, and talk to him. I think Woodson's just a down home, honest dude, uh, and, and that's he's not playing games. And, and I think people and families uh, really enjoy that. It doesn't mean that they're going to pull the trigger all the time for Indiana, but I think they're going to know when they come for a visit what this man stands for. And I think he stands for Indiana University. He stands for building men, and ultimately uh, that that's what we want uh, from our university. So, all right, Jay, thanks a lot. Um, our, our first question from the Discord uh, channel, uh, I think this is Tony Stuckey. We've kind of talked about it already. He asked about Rob's injury and what combo of guards. So uh, that that was back in, in sec, uh, segment two. We're, we're going to move forward. Uh, J.D. Hoosier says, looking at the remaining schedule, which we talked about, what happens first? IU wins three Big Ten games in a row or IU loses two Big Ten games in a row? I think there's a great opportunity uh, in the next three games to put three together. Uh, Maryland on the road, Illinois at home, uh, at Northwestern, which let's be honest, that's normally uh, Assembly Hall North um, in Welsh Ryan. Um, I, I think that, that stands the greatest chance um, because there very well could be a three game, you know, a two or three game streak uh, when you've got Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State lined up immediately after that. Uh, that's going to be a real precarious portion of the schedule. Um, which one is most likely to happen? I wish I knew, uh, but I'm going to be the optimist on this one because honestly, it's a toss up for me. Um, yeah, hopefully, they're able to uh, to string three together. Uh, which, if they were able to do that, would be um, six out of seven. Yeah, and that would put them in a phenomenal position uh, heading into the, the back stretch or the you know, the home stretch of the Big Ten season. I'm an optimist. I like where this team's headed. I'm going to go into every game thinking they're going to win. But I, I think maybe the possibility with six road games that, you know, if you slip up with uh, 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 Illinois or something uh, and a road game following a, a tough home game, I think you're more likely to see a, a couple losses in a row than, than three in a row. Um, how important is uh, – this is from uh, our friend Joel Huparazzi um, – how important is, is Tamar going forward, uh, especially with Rob being out? If Rob's out, Tamar's, uh, Tamar's growth, Tamar's contributions are going to be paramount, quite frankly, uh, because we do have a lot of road games left. Um, and with road games in the Big Ten, you're, you're just opening Pandora's box uh, with officials and the way they're going to call a game. And it just sets up where, you know, if X gets in foul trouble early, uh, if Parker gets in foul trouble early, although Parker has done a pretty good job for the most part of, of keeping control. Now, sometimes I'd like to see him be a little more aggressive, quite frankly, uh, in the words of Kelvin Sampson, if you ain't fouling, you ain't trying Haas. And, uh, I love to see him trying. So, uh, we'll see, but that's, that's one of those wild cards where you take any sort of setback, uh, or any drop off in availability in your backcourt, and it's going to be a whole lot of 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 Tamar time, I think. And you know, hopefully, he's he's up for the challenge. Uh, one of the one of the struggles we've seen um, is we just haven't seen that much of him to really understand where he is as a player at this point in the season. Uh, because with with Rob Vinnessy's reemergence as a key contributor, he took a lot of those minutes that I think Tamar was previously getting earlier in the season as the as the competition stepped up. Woodson loves to go to his older guys. Uh, he And I, I, I don't blame him. It's easier to trust veterans than it is some of the younger guys. So, you know, no fault to him there. Uh, but it could be a cruel tutelage here real quick if we are going to be uh, missing tomorrow or not missing tomorrow, missing Rob for any extended period. 
The next question comes from Elbows In. Elbows In, uh, congratulations. He just took a new job, uh, messaged me earlier uh, this week. Congratulations on that. Uh, he asked some really good questions, Chronic, all the time. And he asked this. This is an interesting one. If you could turn one of our losses into a win but had to turn one of our wins into a loss, uh, would you do that? And which games would you, uh, would you flip? I mean – that, that is a really good question, quite frankly. Um, the Syracuse loss still bothers me um, for a number of reasons, uh, but you know, not the least of which, that's you know, that's our worst loss, at least from a Ken Palm standpoint. Um, I, you never want to give one back, uh, right. so I don't know that I can honestly. Maybe it wasn't that. a good question. Elbows in. Well, you know, mistake, and, right. And that completely ignores the fact that, from a personal standpoint, the one I wanted the most that we've lost. It was hands down Wisconsin. Yes, I agree. I absolutely, you know, for as good as it felt against Penn State, it was doubly better that first half against Wisconsin just because it was freaking Wisconsin um, in Cole Center. Uh, I, I I just feel like for all the talk about the streak um, and I use record up there, I would have loved to gotten that monkey off their back so that we don't have to keep talking about that because that pops up every dang time we go up there. And quite frankly, <laughs> it's just, it's salt in the wound and I'm, I, I would love to heal that one. So I, would I give a, a win up for that? Our best win right now is Purdue and you couldn't pry that out of my no. cold dead hands. No, absolutely. I, you know, if you had to, from a bracket standpoint, you would flip Wisconsin with Ohio state. That'd be yeah. one one yeah. quad one for another quad one, but the quad one at Wisconsin on the road because road wins are another tiebreaker, another boost. Yep. If you got two or three teams close in one seed line moving up or down, that could be the potential, and Indiana only has one road game. So if you really had to push me to, to tra- trade one for the other, thanks, Elbows In, for making us think there. Patrick Farrell uh, asked this, uh, what did you think of the students rushing the court after beating um, – uh, Purdue. He's not sure he understands to act like you've been there. Reason not to do it. Um, how are you on court storming? Um, just, I'll leave it at that. I, I don't know how many of y'all follow me. Um, you may not be aware. I'm a big fan of fun. I like fun. I like to have fun. That's um, why we like having you on the show, Chronic. I, I love to see other people having fun. Uh, there's a reason I still live in Bloomington. Uh, th- there's an energy that you know 50,000 college age kids bring to your community that's uh it's it's really it's the best you know it can be annoying at times uh but I wouldn't live here if I didn't love it um and I love to see assembly hall rocking and I love to see assembly hall celebrating wins and if that celebration has to spill out onto the hardwood um you know, people say, act like you've been there before. People, we've been there before. We've done this over and, and over and over. And every time we do it, people, you know, the fun police have to come out of the woodwork <laughs> and, and give me all this BS. And you know what? Show me your badge, cops. I, I don't need any fun police in my life. I don't think we license them. Um, you're not real cops. Stop acting like it. Let the kids have fun. Uh, because at the end of the day, winning is fun. Beating your rival is fun. Putting, you know, embarrassing losing streaks to bed is fun. Let the kids have fun. You know, I had somebody tell me, well, what if they just decide to do this every game? And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Where in the world have you seen people storm the court every game? No, 
they only do that when the emotion overcomes them and they they're having a lot of fun and beating Purdue was a lot of lot of fun. So I'm I'm tired of hearing it. I, I fully endorse every court storm. I wouldn't be upset, you know, if if we had wins of, of the character that deserve it more often. Chronic, because quite you, frankly, uh, you just gave my two boys a, a lot of um, a lot of information because when they were um, ten and eight years old is when uh, Indiana beat Purdue in football with uh, in '97 was it not '97 in 2007, and they were ten and eight and I wouldn't let them rush the field and and they told me that at my eulogy they are going to mention that I was a bad father because I didn't let them rush the field. Uh, when we won the bucket, and now they're going to listen to this podcast and really, uh, really, rightfully tell me that uh, I was too much of the dad fun police uh, back there. But I tell you what, I was at that bucket game, and I wouldn't want children anywhere near the field because <laughs> I know what type of fans were were spilling onto the field that, and that was very much an unsafe place for minors. So that that was good parenting. Uh, let let the record know. show that at your service. I think they bring it up almost every year, uh, which is a beautiful thing now that they're married. One's married, and, and the other one's out of college. So. Uh, it's been a good joke around here. If we had Durham, Hunter, and Franklin, would any of them start? Ask Marshall Grosak. Um. Yeah. Would they start? Yeah. Would they start? If they were still here, you wouldn't have the current roster composition. You True. wouldn't have scholarships. Um. I. Yeah. I. I. Well. I don't know. I don't know. Um. I. I think Woodson really values athleticism. Um, I, I think he, he's used to, to coaching in a league that has some of the best athletes in the world, quite frankly, and, and just seeing what athleticism can bring to a basketball team uh, and how you can leverage athleticism. Um, you know, Al had a, an insane motor, uh, incredibly hardworking kid, uh, obviously with the uh, big, big heart and a great smile. I love Al's smile. I miss Al. Um would Al be a better athlete than Xavier? I don't know. Uh, I think Xavier's a little stronger. Uh, I think Xavier's got a little bit more nasty in him. Um, I don't know if he'd start over that. I, I was a big Armand fan, or Armand fan. I can't speak tonight. Excuse me. Armand. Um, I liked Armand a lot. I thought he was a good kid. Um, I, I think Armand would thrive in Woodson's office offense, quite frankly. Um, I was kind of surprised at his departure uh, simply because I, I thought he was going to eat uh, had he chosen to stay here. Um, he, he brings a lot of attributes that I think Woodson uh, would have loved to have on this roster. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know, I, I think if you were to put him on the floor and, and let him play it out, who is Woodson going to pick? He's going to pick the kids that defend the best, quite frankly. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the roster he's got compared to the roster that walked out the door, uh, again, is performing five percentage points higher than last year. So uh, I'm going to stick with what we got, man, because you know what? They all chose to be here. Glenn Lighty asked that during the game a stat was mentioned that IU has the lowest percentage of total points scored from the three-point line. Is there any way you see IU improving and moving up the Big Ten standings unless IU starts getting more three-point scoring? I think it's going to continue to improve. Uh, I do. Uh, I think IU is going to be challenged a lot um, in this stretch of the schedule. Um, I'm, I'm real curious what uh, uh, Kofi's status is uh, when we see Illinois. I believe he's in the concussion protocol right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm not sure 
what his availability is going to be like. I mean, it's we're still a week away and some change from it. Um, I there's going to be some struggles yet ahead for Trace and Race for that matter. They're going to have their hands full, and I, I think it's going to create a lot more shooting opportunities. Um, and you know, I, I think you've got some shooters who are growing in confidence as the season goes on, and uh, increased opportunities, increased confidence. Uh, that's a recipe for some more buckets from deep. There's a lot of questions about three-point shooting. Um, uh, Phil asked one about Franklin Durham and Hunter as well. Uh, Lisa asks about Rob's injury. We've covered that. Um, uh, I think there. Are, uh, Jeremy asked a nice question. I want to recognize you guys because I appreciate you guys sending in questions. Uh, IU scored the same three-point percentage they normally do. They only would have had 56 points, so uh, Chronic just addressed that three-point shooting. Hope that answers your questions. Keep sending us questions. Got two more for you, Chronic, and we'll, and we'll let you go. Bob um, Rathbun asked a really good question. Uh, we've kind of talked about it a, a little bit more. Um but he, the in-game coaching decisions, NBA versus college. So he he wants to ask, what do you, what do you key on when watching to assess in-game coaching performance? Um, one, I want to see how they're uh, you know, how they're matching up from the start. Um, th- this is a league that is just so extraordinarily well scouted. Everybody knows your playbook. I mean, you can literally hear um, opposing coaches calling out sets as they come into the floor in real time. Um, they, they just, they do, they know what you want to do. Everybody knows what you want to do and how you're going to try to do it. Um, Woodson doesn't have that advantage. He doesn't have that history of, of, you know, watching the tape, reading the scouting reports. Um, and I think at times it's shown, I think uh, for the most part, They've put together some really, really good game plans. I think he's got a, a really capable staff right now that's serving him well, uh, serving him very well, quite frankly, um, because there are, there are uh, you know, we talk about how tough the Big Ten is uh, from a basketball standpoint. Talk about how tough the Big Ten is from a coaching standpoint. I mean, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's very, very tough. Uh, it's, it's just brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Um, so you look at how they originally set up where they choose to attack. Um, I, I think Woodson is continuing to, to find his feel. Um, I think often coaches just have to, they got to feel the game and they got to feel their guys and how their guys are working in the game. And, um, you know, again, I, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse here, but that takes time as well. Uh, it takes time to see guys just be put into different spots and to see how they respond. And it's not just guys, it's, it's combinations of five guys and how that, that, that chemistry can change with just the slightest tweaks. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't begrudge him for not knowing everything about how to coach this team, um, in game. Uh, again, we talked about it earlier, you know, sub patterns, some of the timeouts, um, I'd like to see some improvement. Um, but I think you also see a guy who's been very transparent and open about, you know, his self-awareness in that regard. And, you know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, he's kind of learning his way through it. And uh, I'm okay with that so yeah. long as it continues to improve. One of the things I look for is not results. And, and I would I would really stress uh, fans to not – say adjustments are results so if IU yeah, has a bad yeah. start to the second half don't j- jump into the common 
theme of, oh, Coach Woodson got out coached because the other team made adjustments and, and Woodson didn't. It's about execution, right? So they both made adjustments because if you're getting paid $2 million you want or $5 million or $7 million or whatever you're getting paid, you're going to make adjustments. It's the question of sometimes you make the right ones, sometimes you make the wrong ones, and then do the players execute your, your adjustments? So I would try to stay away from results-oriented he made adjustments. He didn't make adjustments. What I try to do is see how long he goes in certain patterns. How long does he go without calling the set? Do, do they alternate things? Um, I try to write down what they try to do. And if they try to do a variety of things, I think he's making in-game adjustments. So, you know, the Syracuse game, the zone offense uh, in the half where they scored a lot, they made a lot of nice adjustments at halftime, uh, and they scored. But they also ran some of that stuff when they didn't score in the first half. So the game planning was there. The execution was bad in the first half. Uh, The execution was a lot better in the second half when they made that comeback in that game. And the same thing with Wisconsin. Excellent game plan. It wasn't that they – made adjustments is that things didn't go very well um so if you're concerned it was just like how tamar trapped in that syracuse game did coach was was coach aware enough to tell a freshman not to do that um do you call some set plays down the stretch do you sub at the right times to get the right players rest so they're ready in the last seven or eight minutes for example one of the negatives was at the michigan game so concerned with trying to get back in the game next thing you know had to get tjd and x some rest and he took him out at the under eight timeout and that was the last go right by the time they got back in it was four or five minutes the game was game was over i think maybe coach would look back on that and say i waited too long uh, to get those guys a breather that I wanted them the last 10 minutes to make make the run. So those are some things I look at is what he's – is he seem like he's trying to do things, the timeouts, those things uh, to to judge. But is it our position to judge chronic? We will because we're fans. Um, but when I put on my coaching hat, uh, there's no way we know – Oh, what's going on uh, because of that. I got one, uh, two questions. One I'm going to ask re- answer real quick. Barbara Vorgang asked, do assistant coaches have much to say during games? Uh, they were really involved during the per- Purdue game. Uh, I'm an assistant for one of my former assistants. I was a head coach for, for 10 years. This guy worked for me, and now the, the roles have turned. Uh, a good assistant understands his coach, understands when you need to be silent as an assistant coach and let him go, uh, when you need to, to get in his face and be – you know, pretty adamant about something when you just need to say something quick. And, and it, it's an art. I'm fortunate enough to be on the other side. So I learned a lot about what I wanted in certain situations. I tried to provide that. All of these assistants are well aware of that. Um, for example, I'll just say, hey, you know, uh, the tiger cuts are available if you want to call something with tiger cuts. I might just throw that when he walks by uh, as a subtle thing. Other times I get up and make sure that, hey, you know, we need to make this adjustment. We need to make this adjustment. But it's an art to be an assistant because you can't. You don't want to talk too much. You got to pick your pick your times because you got to let the head coach be the decision maker during the game time. Most assistant coach work is in the film room at halftime and, and other areas. Uh, excellent question, Barbara and Chronic. To end our time together, uh, C Dub seventy six asked this bracket matrix, which collects a lot of the brackets. Uh, of us bracketology and, and combines them together has IU as the lowest eighth seed. That would be 32 uh, in the overall seed rank. Do you lock it in or do you roll the dice and let the season play out? I think this is a team that can improve its seed line. Uh, I also think this is a team that can stumble its way out of the tournament. Those can both be true at the same time. And I can both have a lot of conviction in both those feelings. And um we're at the point in the season where I'm still going to hold on both those positions. Um, 
I, I would like to feel like I should be more confident in this team based off what I've seen. Uh, there's a lot uh, in the past that, that clouds the outlook at the same time. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've been burned far too many seasons, uh, particularly over the last two decades, uh, to ignore those those conflicting feelings. So I think this team, ultimately, they should be better. And I'm not, I'm not going to make a prediction if they will. I will say they should. They should be better than an eight seed because, quite frankly, um, you know, this is a team that at times has looked top 15, uh, very easily top 15. That's looked like they could honestly compete with pretty much most teams in the country on any given night. Uh, but we've seen the lapses. We've seen the struggles and the stumbles. Um, and that's why they're not, quite frankly, uh, you know, the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, this very possibly could, should maybe would have been a top 25 team for the majority of the season so far uh, if they could play with that consistency that, that they've struggled with. Um, you know, when you look at all their losses with the exception of Michigan, um, those are winnable games that, and, you know, some of my issues with, with Woody's in-game coaching and some of those grades directly related to that uh, and those those experiences so far uh, and the repeated nature of those experiences. Um just Jekyll and Hyde from half to half and you can't have that you know and for this team uh, again beating the dead horse but it's it's it starts on the defensive end with these guys and uh for a team that can be really really good when they lock in they can get really really bad um so I, I hopefully that's we see far more of the latter than the former uh as the season concludes but um no I, I, I it is what it is at this point and you know, if you would have asked me at the start of the season, how would I feel about 15 and five? Uh, still two games out of uh, first place in the Big Ten. I think it's still two games. I haven't checked recently. That was last night. Um, I'd be okay with it because, again, I remember where this team's coming from. And uh, I know they've got the, the staff's got their uh, their work cut out for them still. Uh, I, I, I love this question. I think it's great. Indiana should be higher than that. I, I take the Wisconsin and Syracuse. You turn that around, it's a quad two, a quad one, and I think that moves them up to a seven seed right now with a lot of growth. Um, but I also want to see Indiana in the tournament. I'm just tired, Chronic, of not yeah. seeing Indiana yeah. on the tournament, not checking the schedules of when they're uh, going to play in the afternoon, the evening, all of that stuff, and scheduling that, that weekend around the potential Indiana games. So there's part of me that says lock it in because I need to see it happen. But there's also part of me that agrees with you. Like I'd rather try to get uh, up to the six or seven seed line. I think that's probably the ceiling, uh, and we'll, only time will tell. But let's keep playing uh, solid defense and, and, and hit some timely three-pointers and see see where we're that's at. it we're done no more questions all right ryan spoke and i think that's the end of the show uh so that'll do it for us on this week week's episode of the assembly call if you want to see us do the show live join us at assemblycall.com on thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording thanks to bob thompson for producing our music and thanks to john ringer of rigsdesign.com for designing our logos and thank you for listening we'll talk to you next week or sooner uh This is old when the recruiting thing is, if any news breaks. Until then, take it from me, Jordan Halls. Keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni. Man, things are good around here, chronic when when we win. Even Mrs. Tonsoni's happy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's it, we we have reached the point where um, 
my kids is because I, I I've been dropping them off at school uh, every morning, and uh, you know they're, they're constantly they they they're fully cognizant of, of who I am, what I do, uh, my passion for Indiana, and and um, you know the connections we've made along the way. So they're they're always they're uh, minding me for information, um, for the inside scoop on the team. Uh, and I, I absolutely love it, but I also, uh, you know, some of the commentary that gets relayed, uh, from some of the local schools is, is also a little eye opening at times too, <laughs> which is wild because they're, they're my kids and they're talking <laughs> smack with some of the best people in the, uh, in the chat mob. So <laughs> I love it, but it is obviously always, always better after a win. Always better. So, uh, yeah. Hey, make sure we're still live just so you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To keep yeah, that yeah, beautiful no. picture up there. Um, I, I, I have learned from that before. There was one time where I, I literally dove out of an office chair when I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so we're, we're still live in, in AC After Dark. Thanks, everyone. Uh, in the chat mob, remember, for, uh, Saturday uh, will be our meetup. Uh, I think I can get there for an hour. Uh, I have a game uh, at Western, and I think I'm going to beg off the, the junior varsity uh, game uh, and uh, – be able to drive up and get there at seven o'clock so i might be able to stay from three to four or four thirty and then drive up to kokomo from there so i will be able to meet everyone won't be able to imbibe in all the pleasures of switchyard um but um i will friday night if you're in town friday night try to find us um looking forward to a good team meal and meeting a lot of you uh thanks to all of you who have stopped by i met jen uh, at the game, we had a, a, a opportunity to take a picture. It was really nice to meet you. It's part of what I really enjoy uh, about being a part of the assembly call and assembly call community is there's just solid, solid people. Even even Josh Wilson, my good friend from the community, who's now a, a basketball official and might be officiating some of our games, uh, I guess I'll like him other than those 32 minutes uh, if he's ever uh, calling one of our games. But thanks to everyone. Uh, for being here chronic thank you uh for uh stepping in tonight and doing an excellent job just a great conversation about indiana basketball uh we appreciate you tremendously i love it i love being here i love talking with you uh i'm actually going to be on an opposite schedule i'm going to be later in the evening on the uh the fifth but i am going to uh to make it out i may have to catch up with you guys on friday night for sure too uh but i will be a late arriver at the meetup at switchyard later that uh, that night that will be a plan i'll be looking forward to it um, and i will be imbibing <laughs> uh, I, I will be too friday night but uh saturday i think it's best if uh i just come and say hello to everyone so you know what my struggle is um and, and we were talking about this at the iowa game i met up at yogi's with uh galen clavio and matt blaska and uh chris iu artifacts and um trish whitaker uh joined up she's she's in town right now her parents are she's from here her parents still live here uh with the baseball lockout she hasn't got to go do her job uh with the rays and uh so a lot of great folks came over but uh, it, it seems like every time IU has these big games, games that we go out of our way to, to, to meet and do things, um, far too many of them haven't ended happily. So uh, hopefully this meetup gives, uh, gives everybody reason to, uh, to celebrate and revel together afterwards. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, 
All right, uh, we're going to call it a night, everyone. Be safe, stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, we'll see you on, on Saturday. I will, um, I'm busy with the scouting report on Saturday and a game for us, so I will not be around for the post-game show of Maryland. Uh, bring home a victory and, and join the chat mob as the guys talk about the post-game uh, report on uh, Saturday afternoon. Until then, uh, we'll see you. Go Hoosiers. Be well, y'all. Thanks, Coach. Yep, thanks, Chronic. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.